0: Skate studios. This is analytics and eyeballs.
1: From the summer skate studios, analytics and eyeballs is brought to you by Top Golf. At every Top Golf, it's about fun, climate controlled bays, increased safety measures with your choice of games, as well as our sports bar and restaurant. See your local Top Golf location or topgolf.com. Summer skates. Shower shoes and koozies customized for yourself or your entire team. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. From coast to coast and beyond, wherever you need to be, Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos has a destination that suits your style. Jet's Pizza. With six different styles of pizza, eight different types of crust, to go with all of our fresh toppings, you can let your pizza cravings run wild. Peterson Toyota, earning the trust of our loyal customers at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins, every day for over 50 years. Metro by T-Mobile, go to Metro by T-Mobile.com to find your perfect plan. All of which come with the power of T-Mobile's 5G network. M Drive, our Boost and Burn is specifically designed to help get you active, get lean, and burn fat. Get yours at mdriveformen.com. Drury Inn & Suites. Find out why we say our home is your home. Visit druryhotels.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Award-winning barbecue for your next catered event, a concert at Allegiant Stadium, or at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the SW.com network. Here are your hosts... Scott Strandy and Jordan McAlpine.
2: All right. Welcome in hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans. As it may be, the scratchy voice is still here. Slightly better, but uh, not completely gone. Scott Strandy with you in uh, a chilly Centennial, Colorado, as we saw the sun today, but more snow forecast for the next couple of days. My co-host, as always, Jordan McAlpine, joining me from beautiful Omaha, Nebraska, I understand. All right, my system is a mess again because I'm not hearing anybody. So if somebody's hearing Jordan, let me know. Scott, can you hear me? Oh, anybody? Jordan, can you hear me? Yep, Scott, can you hear me? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Pretty crazy. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I can hear you now. So how are things in Omaha?
0: yeah there's uh we got snow last night for the first time in a while uh, i know we had some rain this past weekend too it was kind of weird uh friday night after the mavs and north dakota game walking back out to the car with a few other media members through a uh, little bit of a torrential downpour uh didn't melt so we survived that <laughs> but uh outside almost Oma- outside omaha today it's uh a little chilly compared to how the past week or so has been here, and I don't know in the next four or five days or so we're supposed to get another round of snow. Um, but besides that, most of the snow from last night melted, and can't complain. Uh, can't complain too much. So, well, you're welcome. I sent that snow from Denver, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. That's, uh, uh, yeah, I'm we, sure we you. Got, do. Uh, we got teased out here that it was looking. Uh, looking like spring weather with uh, last week walking around in shorts and t-shirts a couple days. And then lo and behold, Nebraska and Midwest winter weather wants to uh, make its return in grand fashion, I guess.
2: Oh, mother nature at its finest. <laughs> okay. We wrapped up a regular season in uh, every conference. I think finally uh, this last weekend, the pair are out. Things have, uh, have jumped around a little bit. You saw the, uh, what currently is the number six team in the country and the uh, Mavericks did some damage. So before we give in, we got a great guest joining us tonight too in about 15 minutes or so. But before we get into that, let's uh, let's talk about what happened with North Dakota and Omaha right in front of you.
0: Yeah, I got a, uh, I got treated to a very good weekend of hockey. Um, Friday night's game five, four win for North Dakota and overtime there UND scored uh, relatively early in that one. Omaha responded right away to tie it. And then uh, UND was up 4-2, four t- four if I remember right, heading into the third period. Uh, Omaha scored under the 10-minute mark, and the Mavs were really pressing for a lot of that game in the third period. Looked really sharp. Uh, Zach Driscoll, North Dakota's goaltender, stood in his head. UNO missed the net on a couple chances they could have tied it. And then Taylor Ward with 56 seconds left. Um, even that game up at 4-4 and sent it to overtime. UNO had two chances really early on that they – more than likely, uh, one of which probably should have buried. Driscoll looked to get a piece of it, also looked to put it over the top of the net. And then uh, the Fighting Hawks came down the other end. Tyler Clevin beat uh, Austin Roden, who was getting the start for Omaha. And North Dakota celebrated a Penrose, which is a – Another subject I'm sure we'll get into <laughs> later on in this show with, with how funny that works out this weekend, uh, seeing North Dakota parade the Penrose around Baxter re-nice. And I don't know if that um, gave a little bit of extra motivation to the Omaha side going into Saturday. I know the Mavs don't need a whole lot of motivation when it comes to playing North Dakota on a regular basis. But Saturday, Omaha came out really sharp, uh, sharp. Third period, especially, of, of that game, too, as the game went along. Kind of went back and forth at the start, scoreless. Chase Primo gave the Mavs a one nothing lead, then a 2 nothing lead. And that was, especially for Primo, he missed last weekend's series against Denver uh, with the flu bug that was going around the team. That was some of the best he's looked this season, especially on home ice. Uh, Mavs kept it rolling. Isaiah Seville was really sharp, made 30 saves. I know he gave up one goal there. Um, but besides that, stopped everything else that was fired his way. And lo and behold, Omaha is 4-2 in this stretch of the last six games that I think you could very very well argue that they could have been 6-0, and um, especially in that Den- second Denver game, that they were the better team for 45, 50 minutes and had a stretch in the third period kill them. And then uh, Friday night against North Dakota this past weekend – U N O outshot them to 18-5 combined between the third and overtime and had chances galore at the other end. But UND uh, obviously found a way to come up on top, and uh, Michael Wiseman got the uh, privilege of presenting back-to-back Penrose Cups on back-to-back nights. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw my video with him. I shot about a four- and five-minute video with him up
2: in the press box after Saturday night, and he said – uh, it's been nine years I've been with the NCHC, and the first eight I didn't present one cup, and uh, in the last 24
0: hours I've presented two. <laughs>
2: it's hilarious yeah I
0: uh um, I, I text I texted him yesterday that at this point he's got to present the uh frozen face-off championship trophy up in St. Paul to just keep the good times going yeah.
2: yeah well we all know that Josh uh Fenton is uh doing double duty he had uh Summit League basketball tournament last weekend so Josh definitely busy and and doing the best that he can on both ends it's a it's a a tough job to try to run two conferences but He's doing it for another month or so. Um, okay, so uh, I had a chance to see Denver, and I think Denver came back from Omaha a little inspired. It was either that or it was Paul Hornstein's Super 16, one of the two that irritated them because uh, mm. they took it out on CC Friday night in Colorado, at Colorado College and uh, Saturday night at Magnus Arena. And uh, uh, here's the ironic thing. Uh, David Carl didn't want to talk about anything about the Penrose cup after their win at Colorado college. He said, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And um, he says, don't even ask me a question about it. Okay, no problem. And they end up winning it. Here's what puzzles me. And I know I've been explained the tiebreaker a million times. I'm just telling you, this is analytics and eyeballs. And my eyeballs tell me that if you win 18 games in the conference and your opponent wins 17 games in the conference, um, I don't see how it can be a tie. <laughs> and here's the other thing. When, when you give, uh, when you say there was a tie and it was broken um, because of conference victories, then uh, I'm still not sure how it could be a tie. But the end result is Denver gets the number one seed and gets to host Miami as opposed to being the number two seed and hosting Colorado College. That's the bottom line.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll argue, too, uh, I was actually talking to a couple people um, about this in Baxter Arena. From North Dakota's standpoint, I honestly in some ways think the CC matchup suits them better. I mean, not in, in either situation, you can't go wrong, not to discredit or slouch Miami or CC in that situation, but just looking at how, and D's played against CC this season, and then at the same time um, – Miami the past few weeks here actually hasn't played that bad of hockey. Uh, obviously, I saw that firsthand against uh, against Omaha a month or so ago now. But in that situation, uh, at the same time, I, I think I speak for a lot of uh, UND fans that of all schools to share a Penrose with, I don't think Denver is at the top of the list of what they wanted to do that or who they wanted to do that with that there was probably a little bit of a uh, frustration factor that creeped in there this weekend. But like you said, the, uh, the tiebreakers are there for a reason, I guess. And obviously Denver's held in North Dakota have both held that number one seed at uh, portions of this season. And I guess uh, that's how the cookie crumbled is. you get that a one, eight, two, seven matchup set up how they are here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at it, uh, quickly run through that, um, Denver hosting Miami, that's one eight, uh, North Dakota hosting Colorado college. That's two seven Western Michigan, uh, hosting your Mavericks. Uh, that's a three six. And then the other crazy one is St. Cloud state hosting Minnesota Duluth. um, Man, oh man, Jordan, um, I'm telling you, there's going to be four, and I'm sure this happens almost every year in the NCHC. But there's going to be uh, two to four teams that uh, are not going to make it to St. Paul that probably could have made it to St. Paul.
0: Yeah, and that you just said it yourself—that's life in the NCHC, especially with as much of a dogfight as that is. But that uh, that St. Cloud and Duluth situation is a uh, very interesting one, especially if you go back to last season with how much those two teams played down the stretch there. You boil that or carry that over into this season. You play the two Tuesday night games. You play to close out the regular season this past weekend up in Duluth. And once again, you've got those two teams matching up in the playoffs. At this point, uh, I'd, I'd have to say edge to St. Cloud State, especially with that matchup on the Olympic ice up at the Herb Brooks. Uh, National Hockey Center and then on top of it the way UMD's played or looked for that matter these past few weeks here I uh I think I speak for both of us and a lot of people out there you've been sitting there waiting for more and it just hasn't came yet with them and there's a uh, a lot of things and I'm sure we'll get into this with Alex here later that uh, got exposed um this past weekend in that series up there but once again uh they get to play again, which they're no strangers to each other. <laughs> to uh, to put it bluntly, here down the stretch, and so du- go ahead. Oh uh, no, I was going to say Duluth went into this past weekend with uh, one goal in mind or one job to do, and obviously you see that backfired.
2: Yeah, and uh, here's what I take out of all this. Uh, this coming weekend, obviously the the one 8 the two sevens. There's heavy favorites and heavy underdogs, but when you look at um, um, Minnesota Duluth and St. Cloud and Omaha and Western, it could go either way. And uh, to say that two of those four teams will not be in St. Paul is, like I said earlier, shocking. I guess, you know, you, you would have to say maybe it was uh, written in the stars this year that Miami and the Colorado College might not get the shot to get to the frozen faceoff. But man, how do you pick between those four? Minnesota Duluth, St. Cloud, Omaha <laughs> and Western, because two of them are going to go home and uh, all four of them could be national tournament uh, participants.
0: Yeah. And I, I, think that second thing you just said, there is the most interesting thing about that, that with the situation that they're in right now, uh, obviously Duluth isn't exactly safe or comfortable at a full extent right now. I know St. Cloud probably with those uh, with the weekend, they just had, really up their chances there and then obviously western solidified up near the top all three of those teams have a uh, very good chance of playing deeper into the postseason once the nchc portion of the schedule is done but theoretically you could have two of those three teams not in st paul like you just said there which is crazy to think about and from western standpoint i uh I know going into this stretch here, I had my question marks, but at the same time with the way Omaha has looked the past few weeks here, that might be the team that you least want to play on this conference right now, especially with the momentum that they're riding here. You've got four wins in the last three weeks, all and like I said earlier, could have potentially even had six, all of those being against top ten teams right now. They get another test against a, uh, another top-ranked team this weekend, which seems like that's just the normal life in the NCHC schedule. But on top of that, I don't, uh, I don't think I'd exactly say Western's been playing their best hockey of the season the last few weeks here either. I know they obviously uh, had the good weekend against Miami to close out the regular season. They've had the Washi situation and the potential distraction with that. They played Denver, St. Cloud, North Dakota, some tough competition on top of it. But I uh I know playing at Lawson in that playoff series probably helps them. Personally, I think either way that series goes three games, however you look at that. But I uh I'd still be on the fence a little bit about which way I see that series tipping. But it's definitely the uh the most intriguing matchup of the four, if you ask me.
2: Absolutely. Let's take one quick break. Let's come back and let's bring on our special guest tonight, the voice of uh, NCHC Hockey on CBS Sports and also the voice of North Dakota Hockey and North Dakota Everything. Alex Heinert will join us in two minutes. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink in sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates, Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com.
0: summer skate studios this is analytics and eyeballs
2: all right welcome back in hockey fans ncaa hockey fans as it may be this indeed is analytics and eyeballs scott strandy with you from a very chilly centennial colorado tonight and my co-host jordan mcalpine from omaha nebraska jordan it's our pleasure to welcome in the voice i'm just going to call him the voice of hockey everywhere Alex Heiner joining us. <laughs> Alex, you uh, you haven't had a chance to join this podcast yet. It's our newest one, Analytics and Eyeballs. Let me explain what you're getting yourself into.
3: <laughs> okay, please please uh, do, Scott. L- line me up. Give me an uh, idea of what's going on.
2: Okay, so we call this Analytics and Eyeballs. It used to be my professional show, but uh, college hockey has just started to dominate our, uh, our airwaves, if you will. So uh, Jordan and I thought – maybe we should put together an analytics and eyeballs where we take a look at the rankings, the polls. Um, We have our own uh, super 16 poll that uh, our own Paul Hornstein puts out. And, um, and then let's compare it with what we see on the ice. So that's kind of our focus. And uh, you see a lot of hockey uh, with your own (laughs) eyes. So uh, that's why we wanted to have you on and, and just get your opinion as uh, the regular season is over now to uh, give us an idea of what you've seen on uh, nchc ice particularly this year
3: oh okay sounds good sounds like a good plan fellas hopefully i know i'm in good hands with the questions you're gonna lob so (laughs) bring it on
0: we're we're throwing softballs only to you so
3: (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate that jordan
0: (laughs) okay so here we go uh two penrose
2: cups 24 hours apart michael weissman said he hadn't presented one in his first eight years (laughs) at at the uh, the (laughs) NCHC offices and all of a sudden he gives two. Um, Your thoughts on that overall being a North Dakota guy, how was it received? How did the the team uh, feel about it after uh, I guess what would be kind of a pretty challenging weekend in Omaha?
3: Yeah, I mean a wild sequence of events. North Dakota had a chance to clinch the thing outright You know, on back-to-back days. Give give Denver a ton of credit for taking care of business. Winning three in a row uh, and they did what they had to do. I think in the end, I mean, it's probably about the right outcome when you look at the season that Denver had compared with the season North Dakota had. They both were tremendous, really, from start to finish in conference play. And if you were ever going to have a year where you split a, the trophy as regular season champions, yeah, this this feels right to me that they, they both were deserving of something. Um, it's uh, It was, again, unique circumstances that one would win it on a Friday night in overtime and had they just held on to that 4-2 regulation lead that they had late they would have won the thing outright and Denver wouldn't have had a chance to come back and do something the next night but i think north dakota after winning the cup on friday and doing that celebration you know not that they i mean they came out on saturday in omaha with with their black jerseys on it was all business but they also let zach driscoll have a night off and they didn't rush some of their injured guys back and you could tell Bradbury and this coaching staff have the long-term good of this program in mind versus just trying to <laughs> ice Denver out of a share of the conference championship and then give Omaha credit. They, they took care of business on senior night and, Picked up a really nice win for them moving into the conference tournament. And, again, give Denver – Did Colorado has Colorado College scored yet on Denver this season? I mean, it was just – I know they got a couple on Saturday. But just – I mean, a a really impressive set of performances against their rival to do what they had to do to pick up at least a share of the trophy.
2: Alex, let me quickly follow up on that before Jordan jumps in is that 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 was the talk. I I talked to David Carl uh, a week ago. And uh, I said, you know, I know the game plan is to keep them off the board because they've done that the first two games. And he goes, yeah, but remember, I wasn't there for the first two <laughs> games. He was in COVID <laughs> protocol. That's so right. He goes, yeah. I guess they're going to probably score. Uh, so then after Saturday night I, or uh, Friday night, I said, hey, you know, like, we're going to keep you on the bench, I guess, here in Denver because uh, you shut them out. And then, <laughs> ironically, the goal that was given up to, to break the streak was a a misplay by Bobby Brink who hasn't done that all year, mm. and uh, and it just beat uh, the goaltender Matt Davis uh, cleanly. So it wasn't like it was a fluke goal. And then they added a second one. A Colorado College played a fantastic third period, out shooting Denver two to one. So um, I don't I don't know uh, in these first two round matchups um, if uh, either team wanted to play each other again.
3: Oh, from Denver and CC. I can guarantee CC's happy to see somebody else, I would imagine, after the way that things have gone.
0: Yeah, We'll call that the uh, Carl curse for you, Scott. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, Alex, I know obviously uh, this second half here, you uh, probably haven't gotten to see uh, as much North Dakota in person as uh, you're obviously used to in recent years here at the work you've been doing. But Mm. I'm going to key in on one of those things you talk about. You look at this past weekend – no Jake Sanderson, no Reese Gaber, no Ethan Frisch. You go back further in the second half. Jammernick's missed miss time, send in Brady Ferner. The list keeps going on and on. Bradbury coach team keeps continuing to find a way. Just kind of talk about uh, how crazy this second half has been and also how impressive that I, I know I talked to a couple of those guys last week. It's been a next man up mentality, but they've really embraced that in every sense of the imagination.
3: Yeah, you know, it's it's one thing to sort of embrace that. And everybody talks about that phrase, you know, hey, we're going to step up next man up. You know, we're not going to miss anything. We're not going to miss a beat when when our top guys drop off. But it's another thing to keep getting the results. And this team was has just been decimated in the second half of the season. And for them to not just, you know, kind of keep it together and press on, but to go on this seven game winning streak and to to sew up the regular season championship you know they basically come from behind to do so without their you know their leading scorer from from their forwards (laughs) group probably you know maybe the most talented player in all of college hockey on the back end they lose ethan frisch down the stretch so you're losing your top d pair out of the lineup and it just it's it's really been impressive to see them continue forward and you know obviously just like same story with a lot of these teams I mean same story with Denver or St. Cloud or Minnesota Duluth or what if you're in that locker room you're a good player I mean these are good guys I mean talented young men who are stepping in to fill the shoes of the players who were out injured but it is staggering when you look at the list of guys I mean at one point it just it they have no healthy bodies left they were down to 17 skaters I mean, at one point, and they still win the series or still sweep. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, it's just it's just crazy what they've been able to do with such limited numbers. And now, again, they're getting healthy again. Outside of Gavin Hain, all the guys we just mentioned should be back. And whether it's mm-hmm. this weekend against Colorado College or next weekend, if they make it to the frozen faceoff, uh, they should have a pretty full complement, including Jake Sanderson. And that's, I mean, on the one hand, like you kind of wonder, oh, gosh, things are working <laughs> so well without these guys. Maybe it's okay if they... But no, I think everybody from a North Dakota perspective is really excited to see what this team can do now that some of those second and third and fourth options have gotten some experience and have grown in confidence. Plus, you add back some of the high-end guys who were having great seasons before they were injured. It's a scary proposition. This team could have, against all odds, could be poised for a really deep run in the NCAA tournament.
0: Well, and it's crazy to think about coming into this season, obviously. I don't know if I'd use the term wrote off, but a lot of people obviously didn't have the expectations for this team of the last few years. Mm-hmm. I know you had that Western series. You looked on the lineup and Brent Johnson, Dane Montgomery, Carson Albrecht, you uh you don't have the Jordan <laughs> Kawaguchi, Shane pintos of the world scoring those goals for you in those series, but it just to see them get to this point to kind of touch on your point there. It's a a scary team that you don't want to run into at this time of the year, not only with the experience, but just getting these guys back healthy, knowing you have everyone firing on all cylinders.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to be, you know, a one-and-done situation just about from here on out. And they could certainly run the table and not lose again the rest of the season and and lift a ninth national championship. They could get dropped in the first round of the NCAAs. Like, anything's possible. And I, I just think the fact that they did what they did in the regular season. You know, because to win a regular season championship, especially in this league, like you have to be consistent night in, night out. You can't really have that many off nights. And for this team to do so when, yeah, they were picked to finish third in the league. I know a lot of people picked them maybe a spot or two lower than that based on, not necessarily based on what they had coming back, but based on what everybody else had coming back. It was really hard to justify putting North Dakota ahead of St. Cloud, Denver, Western even with the people they had back, Minnesota, Duluth. So the fact that they were able to be as consistent as they were with so many holes in the lineup and win a regular season championship, that that to me is most impressive. Anything from here on out, I mean, it's it's college hockey. It's a crapshoot, really, in in these (laughs) sorts of single elimination situations. But if they, uh, you know, it it would be ironic if this is the team that makes it to a Frozen Four when their team last year, which was so loaded. And again, I think if you watch that team, that was a much more talented team than this team was. Doesn't mean that they're, any more or less worthy of winning a national championship, but it would be, it'd be interesting to see this group that nobody expected much of go further than that group. It would, it would be, I I would, I'm curious to see how it all plays out for sure.
2: Okay. So quarterfinal action starts now. Jordan and I talked about this before you came on, Alex, and we said, uh, you know, uh, number one and number eight, number two and number seven, probably both heavily favored for the weekend as you would expect. But here's Mm. where it gets interesting. Uh, <laughs> Western and Omaha and St. Cloud State and and Duluth are going to play, and out of those four teams, only two of them are going to make it to St. Paul, and yet all four of them may end up in the national tournament.
3: Weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's we knew going into this season, again, no offense to Colorado College or Miami, but it did feel like here are six teams that have a great chance to be relevant you know, for a national championship and, and make the NCAA tournament from Omaha, at least in terms of the standings as they are right now, Omaha up to Denver and North Dakota at the top. And the season has played out pretty much exactly like that, where you've got six really good teams. And Omaha has been a little more inconsistent at times this season and, and will need to make some hay here in the frozen faceoff to give themselves a shot to make the NCAAs. But the fact that the NCHC basically has five locks and one pretty good team on the bubble it's a typical nchc year right i mean what should we be (laughs) should we expect anything less at this point all these (laughs) programs are incredible and they just keep coming back year after year but you are right it does set up some very interesting matchups in the first round in this best of three more omaha going to lawson st cloud state and minnesota duluth going at it again uh at the herb instead of in amsville because of the way things played out on saturday night it is going to be a lot of fun uh, certainly multi-screen viewing for college hockey fans coming up this weekend.
0: Alex, you look back, back at this past weekend, obviously. I know you have uh, that game Friday night up in Duluth with it. You're heading into this weekend. St. Cloud and Duluth have played so much the last few years here, and six times on the stretch. This year, you got the Tuesday night games on top of it. You have the playoff series again this year. You even go back to the COVID year last year, then going head-to-head as much as it is. A, what you see this weekend, and then number two, uh, how much of an interesting dynamic does that add? Uh, familiarity plus playoff intensity on top of it.
3: Yeah, I mean, these are the two biggest rivals of each other in this conference. And they played seven times last year, to your point. I mean, it was just constantly, they were at each other. And they met in the frozen Faceoff semifinals and what was a really good game in Grand Forks. And then this year, same story. Like you said, these Tuesday games, you know, both went to shootouts. The Friday night game in Duluth all went to overtime. Uh, before Kobe Roth won it, and then Saturday's game, St. Cloud State just came out and and locked down the Bulldogs, and it was a big two nothing win. David Rennick played great. You know that's been the issue for St. Cloud State this season. It's been you know getting things figured out defensively at times, and for them to earn a shutout on the road in a must win situation for them to clinch home ice, that's got to be a huge confidence boost for this team that did make the NCAA championship game a season ago. So the fact that they're playing on the Olympic sheet, you know, makes a big difference, and. What, we, obviously, these two teams know each other so well that I don't know if it's, you know, okay, now it's St. Cloud for sure. You can pencil them in to make it to St. Paul. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't go that far, but this certainly feels like a series that will go three games, and all these games have been close between these two over the last two years. It's going to be a shame, obviously, that one of those teams is not going to be in St. Paul. That's what our CBS crew, when we finished up on Friday night, that was, I think, the first thing that I said to Dave Starman, like, one of these teams is, is not going to make it to the frozen base off. It's crazy to think that like two of the premier teams in the country and, and one of them is just going to be automatically done because they're playing one or the other, but that should be a, a fascinating series and two, two contrasting styles, right? I mean, St. Cloud state wants to get up and down. They want to play fast. They're going to use that extra width on the ice to their advantage. Outstanding historic power play. Minnesota Duluth wants to get you in a phone box and just beat you up and try and win two to one. And they've done that for the last couple of years. So successfully, We'll see if they can do it against St. Cloud now on the road this weekend in a best-of-three series.
2: Okay, so that leads us into the frozen Faceoff, And uh, no matter what happens, the four teams that get there are going to be four great teams. It's going to be great hockey. But other than Omaha needing to get there and maybe needing to win that, uh, that tournament, um, is there anybody that's playing right now that – Really needs to finish first in the Frozen Faceoff.
3: I mean, in terms of NCAA, I agree with you. I think I think Omaha needs obviously Omaha, CC, Miami. If they want their season <laughs> to continue, they need to win this tournament. Uh, so there's a little extra desperation amongst those three teams. I, I mean, is there a scenario perhaps if Omaha, so let's say for example, Omaha sweeps Western on the road and then wins a semifinal? They, potentially, they could play themselves into an at-large in that scenario. I haven't crunched the numbers, but I would say they'd be close yep, they enough. Can, they can to the bubble. Yeah, I was going to say Jordan. You could probably know better than I would. So there's a chance, you know. But but they obviously have to. They can't really lose outside of the championship game to have them you know, to have a legit shot at a at-large at berth. But um, I would say of the teams, I mean, certainly Denver, North Dakota, those two teams have played so well down the stretch that I think you could have a hick as long as they make it to the frozen faceoff it'd be it'd be pretty disappointing if either of those teams drop the best of three series to cc or miami that's not how you'd want to enter an ncaa tournament so i don't i don't foresee that happening i feel like they would make it to the frozen faceoff and if you lose in the semis oh well you know you just you just regroup you go to loveland or allentown and and you go from there uh western has has been i don't know western has been okay i mean i think their their sweep over miami i think that was a confidence boosting weekend. Same thing. If they have a hiccup against Omaha, I don't think that hurts them too much. I think the team maybe that could use a deep run to give themselves some confidence might be Minnesota Duluth. I mean, that has just been a team that has it. They haven't strung back to back wins together since November, I believe. It's been a long time since they've swept anybody or won on back to back nights. That's a team that maybe could use just a little bit of a kickstart. I think St. Cloud State, I would have said the same thing if St. Cloud would not have won on Saturday. They maybe need a little boost, but the fact that they got the big road win, they're riding a little bit higher than they were you know, 72 hours ago. But I would say if I was going to pick a team that feels safe but could use a little something going into an NCAA tournament, I would say it's the Bulldogs right now.
0: Alex, I know you yourself obviously going to be in the broadcast booth for that up in St. Paul I think a lot of people around the country could argue that a uh, frozen faceoff might be tougher to win than the uh, frozen four when it's all said and done. <laughs> you, you, you talk about those teams, though, at Denver and North Dakota, the uh, heavyweights up at the top there. But focusing in on that three through six match or teams through that group, St. Cloud State, obviously, Western Michigan, they bring back as many fifth year guys as they do. St. Cloud, arguably, has been one of the bigger disappointments in the conference this year but they have so much of that experience heading into this time of year. How much of a factor do you think that's going to play come playoff hockey for these teams?
3: That's a really interesting question, Jordan. I think obviously St. Cloud State, with their run through the NCAAs, that that has to help. I mean, this is essentially the exact same team that reached the championship game last year in Pittsburgh. And so I got to think that they'll lean on that experience to give themselves success. You know, everybody else, even though these are obviously Minnesota Duluth, of course, has been to the Frozen Four however many times, and they bring back a, a good chunk of that group as well. You know, Western Michigan has not made a deep run. I mean, even though that team is loaded with fifth-year guys that have played a lot of college hockey together, I, you know, they lost in the first round of the Frozen face-off last year. Um, there was no Frozen face-off the year before. So even this Broncos team, which is so experienced, They've not really had a lot of playoff experience to fall back on. And even if you did go back a couple of years when they did make a frozen face-off however long ago, their fifth-year guys were sophomores, you know, or and, and their experienced guys were freshmen. So there's been a bit of a gap there. Um, North Dakota certainly has has a lot of experience coming back from a deep run, both you know, winning the frozen face-off last season and then making it to the regional final. And, you know, Denver, similar story with a lot of success in the postseason with their group too. It, it's, it's just every year is a little bit different. You know, I think about that Denver team who won the national championship in 2017 that everybody just kind of penciled them in to repeat because they brought so many guys back. And it just never quite happened consistently throughout the season. And like, well, they'll figure it out in the postseason because they've got the talent and the experience. And then they lost in a regional final. And it just never quite sparked the way that you expected it to, just because we had seen it the year before. So every year is a new year. I think experience matters, but also it's not, the end-all be-all, right? So it'll be interesting to see if we do find a bunch of 50-year teams in in the frozen face-off and in the championship game, or if we get a team that doesn't have as much experience, like in Omaha maybe, who obviously got it to the NCAAs last year, if they find themselves making a deep run and making it to a championship game. We'll see.
2: Alex, uh, one of the things that we kind of touched on earlier was um, North Dakota and Denver – both have been near the top, if not at the top of the NCHC standings all season long. But, uh, And I'm going to ask you this from the perspective of you talking to Brad Berry as I talked to, to uh, David Carl. But oh, I got the sense the last month, Alex, that David Carl was trying to build um, – how should I say this? Trying to build his schedule to win the national tournament and – if they won the Penrose, fine. If they win the Frozen Faceoff, fine. But uh, he mixed lineups up, and I asked him a couple of times, "Why are you doing that now, late in the season?" And uh, and he said, I-, "I want guys to play with different guys, so there's a comfort factor." Um, he played Maddie Davis, uh, the freshman goaltender, mm-hmm. who I think is going to be outstanding. Um, so is that kind of the same way you kind of got to feel with Bradbury? And is that, if so, is that different than years past?
3: I think with with North Dakota this year, I don't think Brad had any option to mix lines. They didn't have enough healthy bodies to experiment, so it was it was pretty much just this is what we got, and here we go. I, I so I think th- they they were a little bit handcuffed in that sense, but I, I think certainly I think every coach at that level, you know, at a Denver at a North Dakota that, that is planning on playing for a national championship, you know, that's the end goal, right? I mean, I think they they look at Big picture, you know, that macro vision of what do we need to do to get our team ready for the NCAAs to win four games in a three week span and lift the trophy at the end of the season, while also balancing, okay, what's most important for a Friday night in January against the conference opponent? You know, what do we need to do to win this game tonight while thinking long term? And I I think David Carl does a great job of that. And obviously, Brad and his staff do too. I think you you don't have the success those programs do by being either A, two, too big picture and you sort of, you know, miss the forest or miss the, whatever, whatever that's saying is, miss the forest for the trees or whatever, or, or being too (laughs) focused on the day to day and, and just trying to win in the now. So um, I think, yeah, I think on a different year, maybe you would see Brad, you know, mix things up or change up some combinations. And we've seen that a little bit. I think we've seen that with the power play, but a lot of that's been just due to necessity because they just have not had the bodies to throw out there. But um, we will see if, you know, maybe again, can maybe both David and Brad coming at it from different reasons sort of end up with the same result where you've given guys different opportunity to play with different players. You've seen guys on specialty teams that wouldn't normally play there. David was doing it from an experimental standpoint, Brad was doing it because he had to. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, sometimes it just works out that way.
0: Alex, one for you here with your uh, second half a little bit individually getting to travel, see a lot of these barns that you may not otherwise have done. You get to do all the CBS national games. What's this whole experience been like for you personally?
3: It's been a lot of fun, Jordan. I think that's the big thing. I think it's been a a great, you know, from a career standpoint, obviously great experience to get to see how, you know, CBS sports network operates and how, you know, people like Dave and Shereen get ready for broadcasts Uh, from our, you know, our, our, production team on down you know how they prepare um like we're blessed to work with a really good team at midco as well so this didn't feel like a giant step up it was kind of you know a a pleasant surprise that oh a lot of their process is pretty similar to what we do so it wasn't you know a fish out of water situation to go from what i had been doing with midco sports to to the cbs sports network you know game of the week package but um, I think yeah, it, I, I've been lucky enough to cover the NCHC long enough that i had been to every arena before, you know, going on the road with UND and shooting games and doing interviews after the fact. So, you know, to drop into Magnus, I guess obviously I had I, I had been to ironically by the way Ed Robson Arena was our second game and I had been there in <laughs> December, so I'd already seen that one too. I had been to, I'd been to that one before I was there to do a game, but um, I always joke like that. I am, I'm somebody that gets comfortable maybe after I've done something once or twice. I'm not usually a natural at, at, at anything like from roller skating to swimming to like cooking a new meal or whatever. I, I'm a high rep guy. I need a lot of reps to sort of feel comfortable. <laughs> and I just feel like God put me in a position this year to succeed because I had had experience a working with Dave before B, being in these cities and, and rinks before obviously c knowing these teams. Well, um, if I was ever going to make a move to do national television and to you know have sort of a little more pressure and a little bigger spotlight, I mean it couldn't have happened in an easier setting for me to to feel comfortable right away. So I'm blessed to work with great people at both places that I work and and blessed to cover this conference that I've gotten to now for seven seven years or so. It's it's been a privilege and I've really had a great time. It's been a lot of fun.
2: All right, I I got a two-parter for you here. Uh, The first one is, how in the world is Shireen doing after she fell off that bar stool at 11 in the morning?
3: (laughs) No, what a great story. And what a great line. Those two, Dave and Shireen, there's always like a great hook or a great line or a great story that goes with kind of the mundane. They make the most out of the trivial things of any given day. But what a trooper. I know she texted our – well, she – texted her husband first, but then let myself and Carlos DiMolina, Molina, our producer, know right away in the middle of the week last week that um, she had broken her wrist and was going to be in a cast. And uh, just a trooper. I mean, just hung in there this weekend. <laughs> she got a little help from Scott Sandlin's wife, his wife Wendy, called one of her friends to come over and do Shireen's makeup before the game because she couldn't do it herself because she only had one hand and Dave is over there at night removing nail polish and it just it was just so funny to see those two interact it always is they're such a good couple and so funny and uh uh, for dave to have to step up and do a few extra duties as assigned (laughs) as the husband uh was was great to see but i think she's doing great and she's Uh, she's fired up for a couple more games coming up in st paul this next week
2: all right that's good news now here's part two um your focus has been really on nchc hockey but i know you've had an eye out for Minnesota state and Michigan and things like that. As yeah. I look at the pairwise right now, Minnesota state, Michigan um, locks probably to be one and two, unless everything falls apart down the stretch. Um, but then from Denver all the way down to let's say Notre Dame. Oh my goodness. Is that tight? Um, so first your thoughts on Minnesota state and, and Michigan uh, deserving of the one, two as w- the way they played all year.
3: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, when you look at what Minnesota State did in non-conference, it just takes away any of the argument against their strength of schedule in the CCHA. And then again, the great thing about the pairwise is it's not obviously opinion-based. Like their record and their RPI is what it is because of the teams they played and because of the teams they beat, quite frankly. 33 and five and a no-joke, 33 and five. That's a great team. And they're set up to do some great things uh, in the NCAA tournament this year. And then Michigan, same story. I know they've had some hiccups at different times, and they've been a bit of a controversial figure, but you can't deny the talent. And more often than not, they have risen to the occasion. So feels like those two are pretty much set now as, as two number one seeds. And yeah, absolutely, Scott. I mean, it's pretty wide open to see what happens for those second number one side. I mean, you would, you would kind of feel... One of these NCHC schools, if it is indeed, you know, Denver, Western or North Dakota or even St. Cloud, I suppose. I mean, for that matter, after what we saw this weekend, if one of those schools can run the table, you know, sweep your best of three and then win a couple of games in St. Paul, that team will likely be a number one. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. And then who the heck knows? I mean, after that, I mean, you, you could see you could see Minnesota, obviously, if they reach the Big Ten championship game or win the Big Ten you know, tournament title. That's probably a number one seed. You could pencil them in if you see Denver make it to the NCHC championship game, lose, but lose to North Dakota. You know, Denver could certainly still be another another number one seed. It just feels like the East is just not strong enough this year, top to bottom, strength to schedule wise, for any of those schools to have a, a logistic opportunity, you know, a, a legitimate opportunity. So it almost feels like we're going to have two Big Ten schools, two NCHC schools, you know, either. Two, two of one or two of the other, along with Minnesota State as your number ones this year.
0: Alex, you transitioned me perfect right there. I know you and I <laughs> talked about this back out in uh, Colorado Springs, which feels like forever ago. <laughs> early, early in the second was, half, yeah, but yeah. you, you, uh, you look at that current pairwise, and I mean, theoretically, you could argue all the way down to about 19 of so many teams still being alive and having a chance to get in there. uh, I don't know how much of a byproduct it is of just the last two years between COVID and last season not having the pairwise in place. You uh, can almost forget (laughs) what this system looks like at this time of year, but you look at those rankings and see how tight it is. Do you remember in recent memory a a situation of so many teams battling it out for those final few spots?
3: I mean, it always feels like it's it's pretty competitive. I always think going into conference tournament time, if you're in the top 20 – you know, depending on where you are and, and what you can do over the last couple of weeks, as long as there are games and you're gonna be playing good teams, you always give yourself an opportunity to rise. And to be honest, I usually don't get too focused in on the pairwise on, until kind of that last weekend of the regular or last weekend of the conference tournaments. Cause that's when it really feels like okay. Because right now we could be talking a lot about, yeah, you know, Providence, Omaha, Clarkson, et cetera. Hey, this is these are gonna be teams to watch. And then a weekend passes, and then two of those three are done, and they're not—they're not in the conversation anymore. So, um, so I I'd probably—I'd be the wrong person to ask, I suppose, if there's been a season like this where, with two weeks left before Selection Sunday, it's been as crowded or as tight. But I, I would say, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of good teams out there, and I, I kind of said I didn't mean to disparage the East. By the way, there are good teams out East that can certainly go make a run if—if if you take care of business and make it to a conference championship and you beat some good teams along the way. And there aren't too many upsets. I mean, there's also that. You sort of need the good teams to win these conference tournaments. You're going to give yourself a shot if you're a bubble team right now. You know, 15 can be safe some years when everything goes shock <laughs> around the country. Sometimes 12 is where you have to be. We saw that a handful of years ago. So it, it, there's a lot of hockey left to be played, even though there are only really two weeks left. There's a ton of hockey out there still to decide this thing. And it, it as, as I, we all love this sport it makes it so much fun to watch. So compelling down the stretch for sure.
0: We live for chaos in this sport and industry, right? <laughs> yeah. Paul's chirping in on the, uh, on the,
2: <laughs> on the text box that, uh, I think he's probably boxing up garlic as he likes to say, to send to Minnesota Duluth to see if they can hang on or if somebody can use it to uh, dethrone them. <laughs> but anyway, mm. uh, he calls them the vampires cause they just can't be killed. But, um, the yeah. <laughs> final one for me is, uh, Alex, when I look at uh, the parody across NCAA hockey this year, I think this might be the year there might be some crazy tournament upsets uh, where teams get in um, an automatic bid more than ever before. You think I'm crazy, or is that a possibility?
3: No, I would say it's always a possibility. I mean, we've seen – how many years in a row have we seen a four seed beat a one? You know, that's been pretty standard. Now, those four seeds – typically haven't gone any further than that, but we've become accustomed to seeing Bemidji State knock off Wisconsin or AIC take down St. Cloud State. I mean, that's kind of been the norm here of late. So, you know, it, I mean, obviously Providence was a 4C when they won the national title a handful of years ago. It, it, it feels like it could be one of those years. I think there are some really good teams in the country this season, and we've already talked about a lot of them. A number of them reside in the conference that we follow the closest, but... If it ends up being, you know, a couple of teams on the outside that we just haven't been talking about a whole lot, or teams that just get hot at the right time, I'm sure there'd be some surprise. But at the same time, yeah, it's a, it's 60 minutes or more of hockey a night, and if you if you find a way, you're moving on, and you just have to do that twice, and you're in the frozen four. You know, it's it's not a best of seven, so you're going to see some of those things. I think there are there are there's a I, I agree with you, Scott. Just just to tie it all together. I think we could have a a year where we've got a couple of number threes and a number two and a number four, you know, sanded at the end in Boston At the same token, if it's Minnesota state, Michigan, Denver, North Dakota, and that's your frozen (laughs) four, that wouldn't shock me either. You just know, I would love that. But, (laughs) (laughs) uh, anyway,
2: uh, my, I said that was my final one. I got one more just comment kind of your opinion on, but, um, Air Force and Army are playing this weekend. And, of course, we cover wow. Air Force. And, and Paul Hornstein is going to be out there for us to uh, document that one. And and Frank Ceratori and Brian Riley, two of the, the long-standing coaches, um, they both say the same thing. It, it You know, we both want to win, but if we don't win, at least we know there's going to be one service academy team in the Atlantic Conference Final Four. Uh, they're excited about that. Um, I, I kind of have this feeling in my gut, Alex, that – whoever wins that this weekend might win the atlantic conference and bounce aic am i crazy
3: i oh, are not crazy um i mean i think that the uh <laughs> that would not be the odds on choice uh probably asc has been good this season but at the same time too you wouldn't put i mean army obviously is is what third in atlantic hockey right now third fourth whatever tied, tied with rit and um air force has been a team that's been there before you know not just a couple of years removed you know from being an ncaa tournament team and from beating beating saint cloud state in a in a 4-1 situation so you know i i wouldn't put anything past a serratory brother and <laughs> and as you said you know this that's an army team that's this playing good hockey this season so fun to see those two go at it i mean that that takes on a whole different dimension in terms of rivalry when it is two service academies and you know, who knows how much longer they're going to be conference meets. You just, you never know in, in this whole thing. So I think we'll enjoy that series this weekend. And I think all of us, even though AIC, what Eric Lang has done there is phenomenal. And it was great to study them up a little bit last year for their NCAA tournament appearance against North Dakota. But I think deep down, every, you know, it's kind of fun to cheer for Army or Air Force, right? No <laughs> offense to American International. It'd be fun to see one of those schools take the out of it for sure.
2: Well, I got two things for you to look at. The goalies on either end, Alex Schilling and uh, Gavin Abrick, um, boy, oh, boy, I saw them both play now multiple times. And um, if there's two goaltenders that could steal something from the Atlantic Hockey Conference, it's those two. Hmm.
3: You got to have a hot goalie. I mean, that's a big that's a big step in the right direction. If your goalie's feeling it, that gives you a chance any given night.
0: Alex I'll let you get out of here in the uh, hardest hitting one of the night any champions League predictions <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know it's back Jordan um i let's see uh, I mean, I feel pretty good about Manchester City moving on after their first leg <laughs> performance. What is it five five nothing on aggregate in that one um Liverpool played pretty well in their first leg against Inter Milan. I feel good about that they're up two nothing. It'll be a fun year in the world of of European soccer as we get down to the elite eight. A lot of good teams are going to move on. There are going to be a couple of blue bloods that'll be on the outside looking in. I don't know. I I think that's um. I think the the favorite. I talk with Brad Schlosson about this all the time because he's just he's head over heels now into the whole <laughs> world of soccer. Bayern Munich, I think, was was the was the favorite by, by the odds makers going in, and they're not they're not nearly as good as they've been in, in recent seasons for whatever reason. They've lost a couple of guys. Ah, uh, David Alaba, for example, guys who are really important to what they do, and they're not quite the same team. So I, I like, you know, I'd be surprised if we don't see Liverpool, City, probably PSG with all that firepower. I mean, those those teams will probably be your final four, but you never know. It's it's such a fun competition. That was that in the World Cup. The World Cup was my gateway to soccer in the early '90s um, when the World Cup was here in the U.S. But the Champions League, because it was on ESPN and you could watch it. When I was in college, like that's what really got me into club soccer and, and understanding what what that there was more to it than just what you saw once every four years. It is a phenomenal tournament, and if you're a novice, like Champions League European nights are awesome to watch, and it's great that they're going to be on CBS. So I know a lot of hockey fans out there give me a tough time, and there's 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 some like Jake Brandt, for example, my co-commentator at midwest <laughs> Sports, who are who are not exactly drinking the Kool Aid just yet, but. You, if you if you want a chance to get into the sport, that's a that is a pretty good gateway. Champions League soccer on Tuesdays and Wednesdays are coming up this week. Two uh, two
0: I things I'll two things I'll say to that real quick. Number one, there's uh, there's got to be a CBS connection in there somewhere for you. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> number no, n- n- number two, ne- next time you see Schloss, uh, bonus points if you get a Dortmund reference in there.
3: A hundred percent. He texts me. We text like literally every weekends. And during the week, about random stuff involving Arsenal, Dortmunds, players who used to play for Arsenal and Dortmund. It's it's great. I would say eighty percent of our texts are soccer related, and the other, fifteen percent are, are are hockey, and five percent are like just about regular life. So. <laughs> It's the best. Well, Alex,
2: we appreciate you coming on. If you want to stick around, Paul Hornstein's coming on to do the Super 16. You're more than welcome to. If you need to go, I totally understand. But uh, we're going to take one quick break, and we're going to come back, bring on our own Paul Hornstein to break out the Super 16, which is uh, different. And everything else imagine that
3: <laughs> oh i love it well I, I appreciate you guys having me i am probably going to bounce we've been doing some of the basketball here for the last couple of days but i appreciate I you having it. me we'll we'll see enjoy the talk with paul uh we'll we'll see you down the line maybe in st paul here in a little bit
2: absolutely you will take care awesome. that's alex uh, heinert from cbs sports Midco sports everything that is hockey in the nchc and everything that is sports in north dakota thanks for joining us Jordan, I'll be back in about two minutes.
0: As you plan your next trip, or perhaps your first trip in a while, Drury Hotels has over 150 locations to help you travel happy again. Winners of 16 consecutive JD Power Awards for guest satisfaction, Drury Hotels treats you right. Free hot breakfast and happy hours, 24-hour fitness and business centers, as well as more than enough Wi-Fi bandwidth to take care of all your connectivity needs. Whether you're traveling for business, catching a hockey game, or just trying to reconnect with cozy moments, Drury Hotels have the location and amenities you need when looking for a place to stay. Call one
3: 800 drury Inn or go to druryhotels.com and book your stay today. Drury Hotels, where our home is your home.
1: Wheels and bearings for your inline skates or extra rolls of tape for your stick. At Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our Three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com.
0: From the Summer Skate Studios, this is Analytics and Eyeballs.
2: All right, welcome back in, hockey fans. Indeed, this is Analytics and Eyeballs. Scott Strandy with you from Centennial, Colorado tonight. My co-host, as always, Jordan McAlpine, joining me from Omaha, Nebraska. And it's always the best part of the entire show, this segment, when we get to Super 16 from our own Paul Hornstein. Uh, Paul, how are
1: you? I'm still looking for my boots to put on after you listening to you shovel it there for the last... 15 or 20 <laughs> seconds, Mr. Superstar Podcaster.
2: <laughs> well, I thought, I, I didn't know if you would come on or not after the avalanche got your Islanders, but uh, uh, I had that on uh, because that's what I do. But anyway.
1: I've just, <laughs> listen, I'm, listen I'm, just, I'm just quoting Chris Perry. That's all. Superstar Podcaster. That's all. That's, uh,
2: just... I love it. I love it. Yeah, he's referencing the fact that I was on the WCHL podcast last night, came out today. So, um, anyway, uh, enough of that crap, right. literally. Uh, let's go to uh, the Super 16. Are you ready? We're going to read the first eight. Jordan, you ready? Brace
1: yourself.
0: All right, here we- To me, there's no controversy <laughs> here. Uh, yeah, th- oh, this week, oh,
2: there's controversy.
0: Th- uh, this week is is a step above last. We'll, we'll say that. So. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Okay, here we go. Minnesota State, number one. Minnesota, number two. I almost fell off my chair. Quinnipiac, number three. I did fall off my chair. Uh, Michigan, number four. I'm okay. Denver, number five. A little bummed out that I got to deal with Coach Carl again while he's not in the top four. Uh, North Dakota, six. UMass Lowell, number seven. Notre Dame, eight. And, uh, Shereen, you're not the only one with a broken wrist because I fell off a couple of bar stools when I did those eight.
1: All right, well, listen. I, I, are you asking me? Are you telling me? Or no, I'm. I'm asking
2: <laughs> you to justify, and then Jordan's gonna beat you up.
1: Well, Jordan <laughs> always beats me up. I don't care about that. I've been beaten up before. I work in a school system, so. <laughs> um, listen, it's just you know. Oh, it, it was. First of all, uh, you know, you got to give Minnesota credit for winning the conference, right? Regular season. Um, they've earned it. All right. Yeah, okay. Um, and Quinnipiac, too. Right. Um, they didn't lose, they didn't deserve to drop any.
2: But you moved them up to three.
1: All right. Do um,
2: you, you, you feel like Quinnipiac's a top four seed? Obviously, you do. But if the tournament were to start today, would you put them in a top four seed?
1: Um, well, the pairwise doesn't.
2: I didn't ask that. I asked you this is analytics and eyeballs. We know the analytics part.
1: I don't know if I would I mean i, I would have to debate it i would I mean you know as as I sit here and, and 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 look at it, what have they you know what did they do to deserve to drop? They didn't
2: no that they, they didn't do anything. It's just their right. their strength of schedule that puts them lower.
1: Five losses.
2: I know, but who did they play? Uh, Denver's got five, five losses, losses, and they played all NCHC teams for the most part.
1: Well, they're right there. Listen, I didn't say it wasn't tight.
2: <laughs> okay, Jordan, your turn.
0: Paul, I'm going to be the nice one to you tonight, I guess. I I don't listen. <laughs>
1: It's it's a, it's a debate, right? I sit there and I'm like, man, this is this is kind of the way I feel right now, you know. If, a, if you if if you ask me tomorrow, I might feel differently.
0: Yeah, I, I was gonna say from your top eight there, the uh, the only few things that I would really say is uh I'd argue kind of similar to Scott there, argue flip flop in Quinnipiac and in Denver, um, in not three three not five, and the uh, the other thing is I do like UMass Lowell. But at seven there, I I would probably say they're more in that 10 through 12 range. Um, I know the past few weeks I haven't exactly been the uh, the biggest Notre Dame fan on this podcast, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They've actually played and looked look pretty well here the last few weeks that uh, they're coming on at the right time of year. Um, well, see, here's,
1: here's also where you get a, a mix in on things. Some teams were playing tournament games this weekend. Mm-hmm. And some teams were not.
0: Yeah, well, and with with that Notre Dame situation, though, in, in UMass Lowell, that uh, – I know UMass Lowell has pretty comparable records to a lot of the teams around them throughout that sequence. Me, personally, I would still argue either Western Michigan or Northeastern – should be ahead them in the rankings, but besides that, I uh, I think you got the rest of your top eight pretty spot on.
1: Well, listen, uh, I appreciate that. Um, like I said, ask me tomorrow and it could change. <laughs> uh, that's to, Listen, but that's how tight it is. I yeah, mean, true. you sit there and, 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 and you look at it, okay, um, let's just, for argument's sake, say that... Uh, We're the committee here, right? And you sit there and and now after you have the 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 gut feeling here on on how these on how these teams should should be ranked, when it comes down to the actual tournament selection, you gotta go to the computer. Mm -hmm. And if I was to sit there and tell you You look at the teams that could potentially be the four seeds this year. The four seeds. You're talking about the defending champions. You're talking about the hockey East champions in Northeastern. Lowell is right there. Right? Maybe BU comes in. What are you talking about? You talk like I said, you're talking about the defending champions. Northeastern has Devin Levi in their net. If Ohio State – I mean, if if BU sneaks up in there, not that they would be in there right now because they're on the bubble, literally, right? You're talking about Drew Camiso. These are not going to be your normal four seeds this year.
0: Yeah. No.
2: That is a fact. All right, let me get through 9 through 16 before we run out of time. Uh, Number 9, Northeastern. Number 10, Michigan Tech. Number 11, Western Michigan. Number 12, Massachusetts in the defending champs. Number 13, Jordan's Omaha Mavericks. Number 14, Clarkson. Number 15, St. Cloud. And number 16, Harvard. Okay, Jordan, go.
0: Yeah, I know kind of that 9 through 11 area we kind of touched on already there. I would, me personally, just kind of drop UMass Lowell and uh, slide the rest of those teams up the spot. Yeah. Um, I'd probably flip Western Michigan ahead of Northeastern too, just considering who the strength of schedule and all those other factors into it. But UMass at 12, uh, pretty spot on with that. Uh, as, as well as Omaha has played these last few weeks here, they've, they've definitely put themselves back into, uh, into that conversation. Obviously the pairwise says a little bit differently that they've still got their work cut out. Uh, we talked earlier, Scott, theoretically, real legitimate chance to go 6-0 and down the stretch the past three weeks here. I would still probably say they're closer to that 14-15 range. I know the uh, USCHO poll this week had them in at 19. But, I mean, they are one of those teams that you definitely don't want to play at this time of the year. They're riding the momentum that I, I do think for sure, if you're talking strictly ranking-wise – they, uh, in every sense of the imagination, should be in that top 16 right now. I know you have Clarkson at 14, uh, St. Cloud at 15, and then you had Harvard at 16, correct? Yeah. That The Harvard pick is the one that I would say that I disagree with. Um, Duluth is in that argument, but at the same time, uh, we touched earlier on it, they are, as it currently sits, the way they've been playing the past few weeks here, there's a lot that scares me, and I don't know if I'd say they're in that top 16. Ohio State also could re- real or make a real argument at this point of the season, and I'd throw BU in that stretch or in that uh, picture too. I think all three teams in that stretch, though, me personally, I would still put above Harvard. Um, but like I said, e- each of those teams has issues still that they got to get figured out if they want to make a deep run here, and that goes for Omaha, Clarkson, and St. Cloud State on top of it too. And I don't know if I'd say issues, but uh, to quote Al Davis, just win, baby, is the, well, that's uh, the it. Way that you can look at it.
1: <laughs> well, see, when I sit there and, and, and watch as much as I can, you know, whatever I have access to, you sit there, and and Western has been good for most of the year. But in, in the last few weeks, um, maybe it's just – uh, who knows, we know what's been going on there At least we found out very recently Who knows how much that was a factor um, Duluth is uh, a team
0: Go, ahead. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Been, I was going to say, I think that's been going on For a while longer than obviously Behind the scenes, that stuff too That you wonder how much, obviously going public now Is An even bigger factor with that right. weight on the shoulder Of those kids with it But I don't think that was exactly uh, Breaking your earth shattering news To a lot of no. the guys on that roster <laughs>
1: No, but now people have to, you know. But now people outside, the
0: of it. No. Yep.
1: yeah, yeah, um, you know, Duluth is a team. The way they're playing right now uh, scares me both ways.
0: Yeah, because I would 100 percent agree with that.
1: They, 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 I mean, if if I said to you right now that that they make the Frozen Four, it wouldn't shock you,
0: uh,
1: and. If they lost in the first round, that wouldn't shock me either, the, the, the way they've been up and down. Yeah, that's all true statements right there. Um, okay. And by the way, the the team in the worst spot right now is probably Ohio State.
0: Yep. They don't play anymore. Well, and especially with their positioning on uh, both the pairwise and the ranking standpoint of it, they're they're definitely in jeopardy right now. Yeah. Of, uh what their future looks like. And I, and I will say that for that matter with Duluth, too, that if you want to look, which obviously that is what matters at this time of year, both them and Michigan Tech, you look at the pairwise rankings of where they sit, that uh, Duluth could really swing both ways still. Obviously, right. la- last week, a lot of us around the country were sitting there with the potential that – Tuluth could have even been ineligible for the tournament just based <laughs> yeah. off their rec- record alone for it, that yeah. this next week or two is uh, definitely going to prove pivotal for a lot of these teams. But you said it yourself with Ohio state there, if you're in one of those positions, no matter how good of a team you are skill wise and play wise, you better hope and pray a couple of those teams around you find a way to lose just so you're not getting bypassed.
1: Yeah. I mean and it's you know listen I, I haven't done the math I mean, you you're even without the computer you're probably better at the math than I am but when you're not playing and teams around you uh, are not that far below you and can win more games it's very likely you can get passed by one or maybe even two teams
0: yeah,
2: yeah, that's one hundred percent correct. I think we've determined one thing out of this whole season as we wind down. Um, uh, we could use twenty or twenty-four teams in the national tournament. It's almost time for that because there's just too much parity uh, to uh, to eliminate teams where they're going to be eliminated this year. And if if you think chaos was last year, just wait till this year because there's going to be um, I'm going to say six teams that are going to be really really unhappy. And maybe as many as eight that feel like they should have gotten a berth somewhere along the way. Tw-
0: 24 is too much. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen. Yeah. It, it's
1: 24 is not too much. If you add another dozen teams. Yep. If there are 12 more teams in division one hockey and you want to add a few more spots in the national tournament, I'm all for that. But you can't, you, you can't jump that many teams. And still have the same number of teams, and that's 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 way too watered down. Yeah,
2: but what I'm telling you, I'm telling you two things. I think the parity is there this year more than any other year in the 50 years or whatever I've seen college hockey. I don't think I've ever seen it this tight. Um, And secondly, is uh, we think, and uh, in some cases we know that uh, a half a dozen teams are getting very close to coming on yeah, board. So
1: well, it's still not enough. Uh,
2: I know, right. but I'm just saying, like, I'm talking in the next three years. Yeah,
1: I can actually, give you, a, still, you I still, can give like, you a half
2: a dozen right now.
1: Well even Fu- if funding <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I well listen. I mean
2: look at we got we got Augustana who's already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Lyndon Wood that's probably gonna win the national tournament at ACHA level on third thir- on uh, next Tuesday night. And then we have uh, Alaska Anchorage which is coming back. We don't right. know about Huntsville. There's four. Well, UNLV maybe. is two two to three years away. Oregon is five to seven years away. Now, nah, I just named you six right there.
1: Yeah, but that's that's – first of all – well, we can get into this tomorrow night. Jordan wants to come back and get through this, but <laughs> yeah. um, uh, that's – I was tongue-in-cheek
2: tongue in, in 24. I was just saying that the parody is like never before. Well, and, listen, uh, we know that
1: the first NCAA
2: that- tournament I watched was 1976. And right. uh, since 1976, I have not seen uh, the parody like it is right now. And and after Selection Sunday, you will just watch the Twitter feeds of a lot of teams <laughs> jumping around saying, like, what the heck? What did we do wrong? Why did we not hear? Why, you know, uh, it's going to be crazy. So
1: just be prepared. Listen, the fact of the matter is that – that's this year. Uh, remember, we have a total intersection of unique circumstances this year. Guys got extra years. Is now the transfer portal, right? And 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 guys moved all over the place. And you know, if if we're still talking about the same thing, this tight in two years, uh, we can start to talk about more teams but we need more teams period forget about teams in the tournament
2: yeah i can and i can tell you that both are going to happen there will be more teams and uh, they're going to have to consider it because we know the portal's not going away and this extra year thing is going to take about five years to wash out so uh, over the next five years it's going to be equally as competitive all right jordan take it away
0: From the Summer Skate Studio, Analytics and Eyeballs has been brought to you by the NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv and catch all the action from the toughest conference in all of college hockey today. Drury and Suites, now an official Disney World Hotel. Book your stay at our new Lake Buena Vista location opening this October or at any location at DruryHotels.com. By Summer Skate's. Whether you use your own name and number or you want to represent your favorite player, show off your game and style. Visit Summerskates.com for more information on how to get your personalized shower shoes and koozies today. Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to our $60 a month plan, which includes an Amazon Prime membership. See one of our stores for details today. By Behind the Mask. No one knows goalie needs better than we do. Visit BehindTheMask.com or one of our three Valley locations for more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, our food sums up one word, perfection. By M-Drive, for supplements to fuel and refine your drive, visit mdriveformen.com. Peterson Toyota, located at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins, our staff works hard to make sure you get the right car that fits your needs. Shop our selection of both new and pre-owned vehicles today. Jets Pizza. It's more than just great pizza. You'll love our wings, sidekicks, and more. Find the location near you at jetspizza.com. And by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. Worldwide, Caesars is where the action is. Analytics and eyeballs in all of our Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcast are recorded live on the Podbean app. You can also download any of our shows on iTunes, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on TuneIn. Analytics and eyeballs and all of our weekly podcasts come to you from the Summer Skate Studios and are a part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network.
2: Very well done, Jordan. Uh, we'll say a big thank you to Paul Hornstein for jumping on tonight again and giving us that fantastic Super 16. Thank you, Paul. And uh, also, a big shout out and thank you to Alex Heinert for joining us, the voice of CBS Sports uh, Network, the voice of Midco Sports, the voice of everything that is sports in North Dakota, and a little uh, soccer as well. So, uh, we appreciate Alex coming on. We'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers. Hello, New Day. And uh, stay tuned, folks. It's ramping up. Good night, everybody.